Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. This week's podcast is called Afraid to Get Help, Five Steps to Trusting the People That Can Help You. So the transcript for this podcast is um, at my website at kainstclair.com, and it's in the podcast section. And today's podcast is going to be based off of an article I wrote mm, practically a year ago. It was September 26th, uh, 2019. And so I'm going to do the podcast based off of things that I talked about in that article and um, at the end, I'm going to do some freestyle and share some stories. So the reason I wrote this article is because one of the staples, like 99.9% of my clients or students don't trust people. <laughs> they, they barely trust themselves, which is what my work is mainly about, is how to reconnect the, your trust for not only yourself, but the guides and the guidance that you have available because you're psychic, psychic, medium, sensitive, intuitive, what have you. Um, and so your intuition for yourself, it, there's a disconnect if you don't have trust. So when we talk about um, you know, we had this discussion today about trusting others. Uh, I want you to sort of lens back onto how, what does this mean in terms of what, how do I trust myself and how do I trust that good things are available to me and that I deserve them? So many sensitives feel like they don't deserve. And yeah, that probably goes back to early life training for most of us. And, you know, let's just say you had a good family and so you don't know where that came from. Well, the answer is from your past lives. So if you're an old soul, the chances that you've uh, been hurt by doctors, been hurt by the law, if you will, that you've been hurt by, um, you know, again, medical professionals and all the capacities that human beings got, you know, get hurt in every single lifetime and eventually and inevitably pass away. Um so we're going to talk about that today, and I hope at the end that I'm going to give you five tips on how to start really healing this part of you, um, because whether we like it or not, the outside does mimic the inside beliefs, right? So I'll, I'll just start this talk today with, um, well, maybe I'll jump into it and we'll talk about this, um, this other sort of lens at the end of the podcast. I think that's what we'll do, so... Uh, let's start with, I didn't and don't trust cops. I didn't. And, you know, I, in my childhood, I never went to doctors and I didn't trust them. And I took my children to doctors for sure all the time because I was a very paranoid mother and overprotective mother. And I was raised not to trust lawyers, my belief system that lawyers will screw you. And yes, we went to the doc, the dentist faithfully once a year, but, um, there was a belief system that you can't trust dentists either. And I hear this from a lot of people. And at some point in my life, I've said and or believed all of the things above. Um, the two types of people that say these things are old souls and victims. And I lived my life, you know, I live most of my life as both of these for sure. <laughs> Since birth, I was, I was so afraid of cops. I had inevitably attract them to me. 
And once I nearly got arrested in Seattle because I had a taillight out on my Jeep. And it's a long story and it's for another time. But um, the way that the cop handled that was terrifying. Towed away my car, arrested me, put me in the back of the cop car. Another guy pulls up in the dark and it, it was truly terrifying. But that's for another another time. And, you know, I can connect the dots that I was raised to think that doctors are too expensive and they don't know anything. And I had to be on my deathbed before I should actually trust a doctor, right? That was my programming when I was a child. And I did everything I could to never have to come in contact with a lawyer, obviously, because, you know, if somebody ripped you off, well, oh, well, you know, I was already a victim anyway. So I just added it to the list of victimizations I experienced all, you know, so far. But when I became a mother, I wanted the very best for my babies. So I sought out the best doctors and reluctantly found them a dentist while overcoming that belief system that what a waste of time because they're just children and, you know, shouldn't waste money on teeth for babies. But my love and my desire for the very best for them forced me to confront my own programming and belief systems. Um, for all of these, you know, I'm going to work with general service today, you know, doctors, lawyers, dentists. Um, I, I wanted to talk about police, but in our country, we are in a very um, animated discussion about that and what that should mean for the future and what it has meant for the past. So I'm actually not going to talk about um, my relationship or the relationship with police um, for another time right? We're renegotiating that in our country. And I think our country and our relationship to the police is rather perhaps unique. That's what I think we've been learning the last couple of years as we, as we watch this discussion take place in our country. So anyway, back to it. Um, I had early life programming not to trust any of them, but, um, I realized my irrational fear of all of it was much deeper than that. So, Yes, in my early life, but as an old soul, and maybe you can relate to this, like I would have visions, right? Clairvoyant visions of false accusations leading to my imprisonment. Um, I've heard so many stories and I have this feeling of if you go to the doctor, you'll die. Like this was an irrational, unconscious, terrifying belief system that if you go, you will die. And, um, you know, the dentist symbolized pain whether you went there with it or not. <laughs> and, you know, certainly we were programmed not to trust lawyers and they're all corrupt and whatever. So paranoid and terrified at the thought of all of it, um, for sure. But as I practiced interacting with them as a mother, I noticed that the more afraid or paranoid I was, the worse the experience I had with them, right? So if I got pulled over, there was always a ticket. There was never not a ticket for me growing up. And, um, no matter what I was doing, I got a ticket for it. If my husband got pulled over, I observed that he had no fear, you know, he just pulled over, no big deal, no blushing, no heart palpitations like I had. Oh, and the cop would come over and they talk about, you know, the size of their tires and he'd get like a polite warning. And I never could understand that. Never. Observing that made me feel even more victimized because I couldn't believe what I was seeing, right? If I did anything, I got a ticket. If he did something, but he blamed his tires, okay. 
again, that's new. That's a conversation we're having in our country. And I'll leave that at that today. <laughs> but at another time, we'll, we'll jump into more of what that symbolized for me as a woman and as an old soul. So at some point, and, and at many points, rather, this was like a work in progress with me where my guides would encourage me to consider healing my deep-seated belief systems about all these services, both in my early life and from my past life perspective. And my guide would say to me, what happened to you then isn't what is happening to you now. And you've learned the lessons all souls learn while in this dimension. So we all come in as male, as female, we come in all skin colors, we come in all races and religions, all parts of the um, globe. So all types of different cultures we come in at and what we come in as and how we come in is precise to what our soul has come to learn. So, you know, maybe in this life, you've been really poor, maybe in the last life, you were really rich and privileged or what have you. So that's not for nothing. Um, And for me, I had come in to learn many of the lessons I'd already learned. So I didn't need to spend the next 30 or 40 years learning the same damn lessons that my guides were like, okay, you've already observed this. It's time to heal this within you. And it's time to sort of change the narrative of the next 30, 40 years of your life. Um, and it's really hard because I, I had so many reasons to feel the way I did, right? Like I could, I can count one plus one equals two. And so when that's your reality, it's your belief system for sure. Right. So I was, I just wondered how I was going to change the way I deeply felt in my cell memory, you know, in, in my brain, I remember. (laughs) And then there's a whole past life cell memory stuff. So in my personal and professional observations, evil and darkness likes us being afraid to reach out for help. Okay. It likes us to think that nobody will help us and it likes us to believe no one will believe us that way. When it comes to our, um, when it comes to getting our way, getting its way with us, I mean, who are you going to tell, right? Cause you have a belief system. Nobody will believe you and evil wants to get away with its cruelty. <sighs> many of my clients and, um, you know, many of them have mothers that isolated them, that abused them, that created these like codependent, um, relationships on them, programming them to not trust anyone so that the daughter need never reaches out for help, no matter how horrible the offense I can personally relate to that. And I see it within my clients and students too. And that, Um, Evil can take place in lives past or in this one, it doesn't matter. So if it's getting its footing in you through fear uh, of taking care of or defending yourself, it has basically won, right? So we're talking about awful things have happened perhaps in your early life or this life now, and it definitely could have and certainly probably (laughs) has if you're an old soul, it has, I guarantee you has happened. And that could be um, what you're remembering. And so the programming can even go back that far. And really over the last two years, I was finally ready to be free of these fears. I was just so sick to death of being the victim. I, you know, I, I learned 
this sort of new level of accountability or reality when I had my skin care, uh, skin cancer scare in 2010. Um, because my guides, <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. They said, uh, oh no, you have to change this within you before the outside will change. And as a victim, that really pissed me off because I would really pray for, can you just make something easy for me so I can have like start the belief system? And many times they wouldn't, they'd have me go right into a situation that I thought would happen. And it did over and over again. So one of the first things my doctor, not my doctor, my guide had me confront was doctors and dentists, like at the same time. So for six years, my dentist told me that I needed to get my wisdom teeth out. The bone was like blocking them from being able to come out of on their own and it could cause infection. So someday it was best, you know, I would have to have a surgery to get them out. She was very frank about that. And I finally agreed to have the surgery just last August. And I did my due diligence, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to believe in like, she recommended an oral surgeon. Uh, one of my best girlfriends recommended the same guy. She's like, this guy reconstructs faces. Like he's the guy to go to. And another friend had, <laughs> excuse me, recommended the same oral surgeon. So I'm starting to trust, right. I'm, I'm saying thank you to the guides for, for leading me to such a concise person like there's one man and everybody believes he's the guy to do the job. So I took the guidance and I set up the appointment and he was everything that they said he was. He sat for like an hour going over my fears and concerns and he set up medication to, you know, help me overcome my anxiety, which, you know, I'm the girl who doesn't medicate, you know, I'm super tough, but I was like, okay, Maybe I'll take a little pill to help me not go crazy and pass out because I do pass out. So I was trying to be open to all that was available to make that experience be as best as it could, right? So the surgery technically couldn't gone better, um, except after the surgery, um, like when, like we're talking two, three weeks after, I literally couldn't open my mouth. Um, so I knew something was really wrong. And I'd taken a phone call from my dad one night and he said, looks like you had a quack for a doctor, right? And I was acutely aware of this victim programming and I demanded within myself that I was not a victim and the reason my jaw was stuck, it would be figured out soon. So that sort of programming came at me and I had to catch it, right? I had to catch it as it was in the air and say, no, I reject that. I am not a victim and this will get fixed, right? So... I went back to the doctor and he thought my jaw might have been damaged um, during the surgery. And so he just sort of recommended these like jaw stretches and two more weeks of that. The pain was like so unbelievable. I literally couldn't even get food in my mouth. So he brought me back in and he, thank God, was willing to do another surgery the next day. And I just had to trust the process. And I was in a position where I had to do something right away. And he did another surgery and he found that he'd actually broken a bone in my jaw during that surgery or whenever. And he was able to take out that bone. Oh my gosh. So through that whole process, the belief systems I had to confront was, you know, at a minimum, husbands don't care. You know, I had that 
massive belief system that husbands don't care. And for the first part of my marriage, um, that was shown to be true. I had to have another surgery in, um, I think 2013 or so. And I actually had my girlfriends take me and bring me home because I did not trust my husband to do a great job for me. And that conversation helped me confront that within our marriage. And this time he was so excited to show up and I had to practice trusting that he would and he did. So the belief systems, husbands don't care. Doctors don't care or they'll kill you. I'll never be okay. My friends don't care about me. I'm helpless and horrible things happen to me. So these things sort of haunted me through the whole process and I had to you know, become aware of what the hell I was telling myself so I could catch it and tell myself the exact opposite to get that right. So when you husbands don't care, you sort of brace and you give dirty looks. I don't know, whatever we do (laughs) at a minimum, right? Dirty looks. But I, you know, changing that frequency. Oh, he does care. Let me, let me watch the ways he's showing me he cares. And maybe it's not the way I show care, but let me be more aware of how he's doing it. And so because I practiced changing my beliefs, I, I not only was I really well cared for, um, but I also didn't torture myself with the things I said in my own mind, right? With the lies I told myself. And yes, sometimes they were lies. And sometimes I set myself up for exactly what I was telling myself. So I didn't create more hell for myself than I already needed to go through, right? That was quite a triumph for me this time around. Even in the face of the fear and the beliefs of victimhood from my own dad, you know, the ones that he was projecting onto me, I chose to not believe what he was saying. I chose to believe in the healing and the care and the good intentions from those trying to help me. Um, You know, people make mistakes. That doesn't mean that they are trying to hurt you. So we have to be open to all of that where we have to have our humanity and to learn not to take, and this is a thing for psychics because of our clairsentience where we take so many things personally because we feel it or we just know it. And that feeling and the knowing it personalizes it for us. So part of our intuitive recovery is learning the difference between you experience it because you're psychic or you're experiencing it because it's personal, like the person is actually projecting or is actually trying to hurt you versus they're not. They just did mistakenly as a human, right? Because we, we're human, so we're not perfect and we make mistakes. So finally, let's get to lawyers. So um, lawyers, this goes back to the divorce training in my childhood, lawyers are bad people. <laughs> that was like the fundamental. I would not thought twice about that belief system until not that long ago, actually. So in the last few years, I've hired a lawyer for my company. I've hired a family lawyer, um, you know, to do our will and our estate. And I have a lawyer um, that I'm working with um, for other things. And so I asked a lot of people and I spoke with my guides and I just, I didn't settle for anyone. Like, you know, when you're an old soul and you have a belief system that you don't deserve you. And then in my situation, you're raised to pay for as like 
the lowest price possible, which you get what you pay for. And you're just never going to be super excited about that experience. I don't care who you are. It's just not going to be enough, not good enough. So, um, I set the intention that I would find the best lawyer and have the best personalities, um, you know, that they would have the best personality and I'd actually enjoy them. And my guides did not disappoint. I mean, my estate lawyer made the process so easy and he removed all the fears of confronting death um, from the equation. My husband and I were really able to talk about all the scary things and I'm a medium, so I'm, I'm quite comfortable talking about death anyway. But you know, putting it in writing is a little bit of a final thing, <laughs> which adds a different level of terror. As you guys know, if you've ever done a will or an estate, you're talking about the worst situation, like the worst case situation. And so having a lawyer that makes that situation easy really um, brought a lot of healing for my, for me um, through that experience. And my company lawyer is one of the most interesting and darling people I've ever met. And she is just loves and is so devoted to people and the law. And she talks about law through chakras. Hello. It was just a really um, beautiful surprise. And working with her over the last couple of years has really healed my heart in so many ways. Um, she is, um, just one of the most incredible people, incredible people in general. And the fact that she loves the law so much, it's a connection I could have never made on my own. So just really unexpected healing from her and her being her. And they've both, again, the both of them have healed me. And these really dark belief systems that I had around the law and around the people that practice law. So now I can reach out confidently when I need to interact with the law and I trust the process, right? So let's get to the five steps to trusting the people that can help you, right? A lot of my students are maybe 50s, 60s, and there's still so much lack of trust for these professions. And these are professions that really can uh, protect us and help us and heal us. And we can access that really in a new level if we work on these things within ourselves, right? So number one, acknowledge where the belief system came from. All right. Ask yourself, is it this life? Is it past life? Where does it come from? Who does it come from? And really write that down and look at it and confront it on paper. And it's okay to accept the pain and the fear and the sadness it created in your soul um, so that you can let it go and move past it. You know, maybe you can think of all the regrets that you have around your own behavior and um, these belief systems, right? So we're taking accountability for, um, you know, like as a simple thing, when I was um, like 19 years old, my stomach hurt really bad. And as a 19 year old, 20 year old, I had a belief system that I just ate something and it was just, my stomach was poisoned and I'd get over it. And like three days later, the family wants to go on this big hike in Lincoln, Montana. And I stupidly was like, yeah, let me just take some Advil. I'll be fine. We get like halfway up the mountain and I am pretty much crashing and I don't have a lot of memories. They get me off the mountain. We get back into town and I go to the emergency room and I have like a severe kidney infection. 
and I don't have insurance because I'm a real estate agent. And um, I really put myself in danger. I refused. The doctor wanted me to be hospitalized and because I didn't have insurance, which is a legitimate thing for sure. But I was, that's also a reckless decision that I made. I, in that moment, would have rather died than been hospitalized with a bill. So that's the stuff that can kind of come up when we're confronting maybe the damage we did to ourselves, maybe because of the damage, you know, you didn't take your child to the hospital and there was a consequence for that. All these, all these things. So it's a big deal to confront these belief systems, um, especially if we have to put ourselves in the equation, right? It's a big deal. So I don't want to say, hey, just acknowledge the belief system and yo, you, you know, you're on your way. No, it, it's hard work. But this is one of the first steps that you can take to start that process. Okay, number two, decide you're going to work on the fear of blank. I also encourage you to just use your guidance. So if the guides are encouraging you to go to the doctor for a checkup, listen to those whispers before they become screams, <laughs> you know, make a conscious decision to move beyond your current experience of them. Um, so one of my beloved friends and students um, experienced, you know, we're in this awful COVID here in the States and going to the doctor now is like not the thing that feels really comfortable. Um, you want to leave space for the people that need the doctors and you don't want to go and get the virus at the doctors. So, um, but she uh, just had started to have a nosebleed that just did not stop. She had to go to the emergency room, and through that experience, she's now had to go see other specialists. Now, this is how guidance works. It's been working on her for years, and she's not listen listened to the whispers, as we don't when we have these belief systems. When we have fear around it, lack of trust, what have you, some denial around it, which we all do on some level, unless you're like raised to be super conscious. So uh, when we say like you can decide to work with whatever, fill in the blank, also check in with your guidance. Are you being guided to go? And the goings is the beginnings of the journey of healing these fears or belief systems around that. Okay. So number three, create loving mantras and affirmations around that profession. So for example, um, you know, going to the doctor, I'd say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for listening to me. You are ex excited to make sure I'm okay and safe. You know, you're with me to the end. Like you have to start really programming the energy and the belief systems to, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, to that space of gratitude and gentleness and affirmations that whomever has the privilege of laying hands on you is the right person. So those mantras can start to, um, you know, it's also a form of attraction. So if our belief systems are, I don't want to go, I can't trust them, how dare they touch me, uh, we go into the room with all that energy and they're just a person too. And maybe they're a sensitive also. 
So uh, all those, all of you sensitives that are listening, if somebody comes at you with that energy, you're not going to respond very well to that, are you? (laughs) I know the first part of my profession, if somebody came into my reading room with like psychics or phonies, psychics aren't real, who do you think you are? I'm picking up all that information and I'm not really liking you all that much uh, because you're putting me in a defensive energetic position. So if we can think of our caretakers, our lawyers or our doctors or our dentists, as fellow sensitives, maybe we can, you know, if you can go to them with that gentle energy and that trusting energy, if they don't have it, there are stories that that intention can raise them to the level that you put out there. So let me just elaborate just a touch because I don't want to leave that in the air and have you feel confused. So um, I think there was a story, I think it was Carolyn Mace, Long story short, uh, like woman was driving, woman picked up hitchhiker, woman knew the man was going to kill her old, you know, she, (laughs) excuse me, she decided to say, you know, thank you for being here. I'm happy to drive you like her super consciousness about the situation. She was able to totally shift the energy and the man like totally softened. He softened. And supposedly, or something like to like to this day, he watches out and protects her like that, that super conscious that we have available to us can actually totally change frequencies that, you know, I've heard stories of women had a, you know, she was like in traveling third world country, had to totally get like a tooth taken out really suffering, really scared of the dentist that was available, totally knew this was a bad, dirty situation. But with that super conscious, she decided to speak faith, like, okay, guides work through this dentist's hands, work through them. I trust you, be kind, you know, be gentle with me. I surrender. So it's just an interesting thing, right? Where if you're powerful and you go to somebody and you affirm all their weaknesses, you magnify it. (laughs) We just do, right? If you can think of it, because highly psychic people are highly kinetic. And if you can think of that as you're highly energetic, and if you speak your terror into others, you magnify that within them. So if we can know ourselves and know that, oh gosh, maybe you lack the talent, but you're not the only thing in the room. So you, you know, ask God, you ask the guides, you ask the angels, please work through them. I know you will. Thank you. Thank you for working through this person. So you're always affirming what is available to you, no matter the situation. Interesting way to look at it, right? So number four, practicing these mantras while uh, reaching out to them. So if you don't have a will yet, if you don't have a doctor's appointment and you need to have one, um, while you're exploring, you know, who you're going to go to, invoke these mantras, um, ask to be guided, ask to have it confirmed again. So maybe you have a doctor in mind and maybe later on the TV, you hear the name that just that name, not the person specifically, but maybe you go, okay, I hear you guys want me to go to this doctor. This is the, like, let's just say the doctor's name is white. Um, Dr. White. Um, So maybe later you're watching TV or you're listening to the radio. Do people do that anymore? I don't know. Maybe your children just happen to say blah, blah, blah. So-and-so white or 
white. You know, you hear that word or name said in different spaces throughout the day. Let it be reassurance that it's um, guiding you to a yes on that situation. So that's just another way to sort of look for ways to heal and get reassured through, through guidance that you're on the right track. Okay. So number five, finally, number five, be gentle with yourself while practicing interacting with them. So you may have been tortured and killed uh, in, a, in a former life. And because of that, um, you can't make yourself get over it. You know, your cell memory re- remembers, but you can keep practicing changing the frequency of energy around them for this life and for your future. And that's what we were just talking about, right? Don't settle for whatever you can get. Like, a lot of us feel like we don't deserve the best. So we seek the cheapest and we expect the worst. And that's exactly what we get. So this is a way to front load um, and caretake ourselves. You deserve the best and you deserve respect and protection, understanding and compassion, right? If you hire a creep that treats you poorly, that won't heal the the wounds that your soul carries in past lives or early part of this life hire the best not the most expensive exactly but the best quality of person so with these five steps you'll finally be able to hear the word doctor and lawyer and dentist and not want to throw up or run away (laughs) you'll know that all of these services are here to heal and protect you and you'll really be able to experience that you are ultimately safe and cared for. So as we wrap up this podcast, I want to sort of expand these five steps or this reality out just a little bit um, uh, and elaborate more on frequency Um So like in my life, you know, I didn't want to be a psychic medium. I was super resentful about that. I didn't want to tell anybody. And then, you know, people ask, what do you do? You have to put it on forms. This is what I do. And this is who I am. I, you know, hated the word. I thought, you know, but that's what our culture calls it. If you called yourself uh, some other ridiculous name, nobody would know what the hell you're talking about. So when I first started to come out and say that I got a lot of sort of faces and maybe lots of questions and I didn't want to answer the freaking questions. And I, as who I am just integrated more and I became frequently like my frequency around who I am is assimilated and integrated. I don't care about other people's reactions. They don't have to understand what it's like to be me And what I do, because by the way, every psychic's different and every psychic works differently. Some are like really skilled in the body. Some are just mediums. Some, you know, some are just psychics and that's, you know, whatever they read energy that way. Some are just clairvoyant has nothing to do with me. I do my work a certain way and I understand that and I don't expect everybody to care or understand. So I'm not kidding you. Just being able to fully accept who I am just this last time we have to go to a doctor annually. Um, and you know, and I've gone to the doctors annually and I've been in great 
um, health. I told them so because I don't drink. I don't, you know, I don't do any of the things you're not supposed to. And I've had doctors like look at me and go, well, we'll see, like as if I don't know what the hell's going on with my own body. And then they reluctantly agree with me at the end. So I've had all of these things along my journey. Um, and this last time, I just don't even think about that anymore because I'm so used to it. I go to a new doctor and she's doing my, you know, physical because we have to for insurance every year. And what you know, what do you do? I'm, I'm a psychic coach. I'm an intuitive coach. She's like, you know, she has a friend who does the same thing. Like it's part of the dialogue now. So it's part of the dialogue now. It's assimilated in me. So I have no defenses, no explanation. You know, I'm not going to explain myself because I don't owe you an explanation. And she couldn't have been cuter and funner. But that's an illustration of how that's been sort of my thing professionally for years now. Where every time when I was afraid to tell you, it always ended odd. <laughs> so whether it's who we are or... um Again, going to a doctor, not a super big deal after having healed that over the last two years because of my infection in my jaw where I had the oral surgeon and then the later part of that story was the bone stuck in my jaw for a few months created an awful infection that a month later I had to have a midline put in my vein for a month to get rid of the freaking infection that the surgery caused. So yes, there was like all this re-victimization within it, but I understood why it was happening. My CDC doctor, which just when he told me I had to work with the CDC was a whole new level of terror. <laughs> but it's like, okay, this is just part of my story. Oh, and I get to have a thing put in my vein and I wasn't gracious about it. I was upset and I was kind of ugly, but I had to, this is, this is what I had to go through. My CDC doctor was incredible. I had to work with traveling nurses to change my bandages every week. They were all incredible. I knew, um, towards the end of that journey, the traveling doctor put like this new bandage on. And the next day my arm was totally on fire because I was having an allergic reaction to the tape on the bandage. And so he couldn't come back over right away. And they sent another gal and I knew the minute she pulled up, I would have to tell her she couldn't touch me. I, I knew she was not a safe person. <laughs> so I don't like to hurt people's feelings and I don't love confrontation, but she came in and she said all kinds of stuff about my midline, you know, Oh, I'd never seen one like that. And Oh, what a funny hose. And why don't you go lay down where the other doctor, you know, the other nurses were able to let me just sit at the table and take care of my arm. So I could feel my guide saying, you have to stand up for yourself. And I had to say, I'm sorry, this isn't going to work. Um, please leave now. You know, it's not me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> and I ended up just going to the hospital to have them take care of the bandage. And again, lovely people, happy to do it. Best care ever. Um, so while we're healing these things, I just want to also say there will probably be some challenges. There will probably be some, um, obstacles to really help you dive deeper into your feeling, into your healing rather. And again, we can look at it as victimization, but I really want to, this is how healing works. It is never, oh, it's black and white. You go from here to there and you're done. It's a process and you will have obstacles come up to see 
if you'll give up on yourself, to see if you don't quite have a voice to speak your needs, if you have to just leave an office because you're encouraged to be an asshole. You're encouraged to look like an asshole because your safety is more important important than you know preserving the feelings of somebody who just maybe isn't right for the job. Um, so however that looks for you, it's appropriate, okay? And it's not a way to re-victimize you, but to keep having you it's like going over a new level, going over a new level, knowing this woman cannot touch me and feeling so protective of myself or before, like whatever, whoever, whatever. Now I'm like, she's, you're not going to touch me and you have to leave. And she was confused and it was awkward, but you know, it ended positively. It was fine. And there's just no way I was going to let her touch me in such a vulnerable position. Um, Another and final story is um, I've had, of course, I see this in my work all the time because I work with um, old souls and one of my beloved clients has had, it's like the body betrays in many ways and the body in this life has suffered a lot. And so a lot of the betrayal and a lot of the pain is in the specific area of the body and I, I believe it was she had a, both of her hips done and the surgeon was arrogant, narcissistic, um, could care less, did not handle her. She's this powerful, generous, like deeply kind, but manifests as sort of, um, how does that look for us? Maybe we can look kind of controlling when we're scared. It didn't take any of her needs or her fears or her cares, didn't care how her recovery was. And so that trauma reinforces this belief system that she'd already had. You can't trust. They don't care. And the work is really about uh, there's always another opportunity. And that's the thing about healing. If you don't heal now, there is opportunity later, unfortunately, but that's just the way it is. And to already start the belief system that now the knees are sort of acting up because the hips never really recovered right. And so if there's a f doctor in her future, you know, we're already working with the belief system. You deserve the best. Don't stop looking until you find the kindest, the most talented, the most empathetic, the person like my oral surgeon ended up being, I probably went there nearly every Friday trying to find out what the hell was still happening. And yes, let's just say three out of the four times he didn't know he tried to help and he couldn't, but he did see me damn near every Friday. Cause there was this by the end of the week, which was, I had the surgery on a Friday. So it was like to the day something new and awful was happening and he let me come in and he tried to figure it out, though he wasn't always able to help. So the point is, is that wherever the healing is for you, whether it's in the mental realm or the emotional realm, psychic, spiritual, physical, um, it is a journey. And if we can get the frequency and the belief systems right, we have a much better chance of going through the process of healing um, quicker with more ease and more gentle. Okay. I could probably talk another 
several hours about this subject, but I'm going to keep the podcast as tight as I can out of respect for your time, out of respect for my time. Um, if you have a story or if you have a healing journey that this podcast has brought up for you, can you share it with me on my social media at Kate St. Clair? You know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on, um, well, I'd have to probably do a post on Instagram, which maybe I will. But I'd really love to hear what area of healing you've also had to confront and or overcome. And I'd just love to hear your story on social media um, to really honor that about you too. As always, if you're interested in what is the strongest Claire in you, right? Are you clairvoyant? Are you clairaudient? Are you clairsentient? Are you claircognizant? Go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? And as always, share that with me um, on social media or send me an email. And I always love to celebrate which is the strongest Claire in you. So until next week, remember, it is your birthright to be guided and be great.